0: What's great about this game of baseball, there's so much stuff that was thought about. It. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they wanted to have it is baseball going into be high baseball sports that is not baseball, and from the baseball angle, I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used those periods. Just remember that. It's not a lie. Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. And you know, I hope you're able to hear that, because that actually was the original intro that I did for my first show that I recorded. Um, it was, I believe it was October of 2011, so it's over eight years ago, and it's just brings back some memories. I actually had to go through a whole lot of different shows and actually find that intro. I was kind of happy to do it. But as always, glad to be with you. Uh, anything on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and Unified America, drop a line. You can comment either on uh, Periscope or Facebook Live feed. i um, going to talk a little bit about the conclusion of the World Series. Probably let off a couple things off of my chest that I've been a little frustrated to see. But you know what's good about Being right is when you actually see the fruits of being right. And I don't get to gloat about being right as far as certain opinions, especially as they apply to the world of sports. And you've heard me yell for a matter of time about the whole role of Major League Manager in baseball. But I've also spoken a lot about bullpens and the over-reliance on relievers. And it was kind of nice to be proven right again. Um, talk a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo in a little bit. Um, some fascinating things. I think a lot of the other the other shows are going to talk some Jimmy G today, coming off of the 49ers' eighth straight victory to start the season. So I will, you know, as I uh, shy a little bit away from baseball in a little bit, we'll t- talk a little 49ers football. I'm going to talk about the managers, and as we hit what we'll call The opening point of the show, the cuckoo clock, the whole thing. Glad to be with you. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about how many games a manager wins or loses. And if you saw the title of the show, you know I've already given it away. So why why don't I just get into it right now? Uh, Been kind of steaming over this for a while. And watched the conclusion of the World Series. And one in which the Washington Nationals have everything to be proud of. They earned the victory. They got. They didn't win it because the Astros lost it. They took advantage of every opportunity, and I also think that their game plan was to keep themselves away from what they considered their biggest weakness. And you know what? They weren't geniuses for discovering that their bullpen was their biggest weakness. Their bullpen was the biggest their biggest weakness. You could bring up a uh, a non baseball fan. And they'd be able to tell you that the Washington Nationals bullpen of this year was not very good. So the Nationals were obviously conscious of it, made a big deal to say, all right, well, what do we got to do to avoid going to these crappy relievers, these lousy relievers that are not any good, that are blowing leads left and right, and were the absolute reason why the Washington Nationals started the season 19-31? and Well, use them less. Use them less by going longer into your games with your starting pitchers, but when you can't go long into games with your starting pitchers, you take other starting pitchers and use them in relief. Which it's not a coincidence that the last three World Series champions have all done that. One of whom was the team that lost the World Series this year to the Houston Astros when they won in 2017. So I'm looking at this from many different angles and trying to understand why there essentially is blasphemy as it exists within the sport. There's almost a false narrative that's being reiterated through front offices and being told that this is the way that baseball has to be played right now. There is an overuse of major league relief pitchers and you could have the greatest smorgasbord of the best relievers assembled in a game in any given era. But it means diddly squat when you're talking about playing postseason baseball. And it's amazing that I have to bring this point up because people, for whatever reason, good, educated baseball people that are being employed by front offices in this sport do not understand this. We saw it happen in 2017 when the Astros beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brandon Morrow pitched in all seven games of the World Series. And listen, Brandon Morrow could have been Mariano Rivera in his prime. But the more an offensive team gets to see the same relief pitcher in the same series, the advantage is going to go to the hitter. And you saw that in 2017 when the Astros ended up winning the World Series in seven games against the Dodgers. A well-played series, but one in which the Astros used whatever the small advantage that they had over the Dodgers, the ability to go to a Charlie Morton or a Lance McCullers in relief in a big game over the Dodgers, who were relying on a bullpenning mentality. The same bullpenning mentality that the Dodgers tried to do in 2018, and it led to the overuse of Kenley Jansen. Now, we look back at Kenley Jansen, and we say that he's not a big game reliever. And maybe that was the reason why Jansen didn't pitch in what turned out to be the deciding game of the the, uh, NLDS against the Nationals this year. But it wasn't Jansen's fault. It was the way that he was used. The fact that, for whatever reason, teams, their front office, their analytics staff, the ones who are making the decision of who plays and who doesn't play, and the order in which players play, they feel like, The postseason, all of a sudden, these pitchers are just going to be able to pitch every single day. And because they have an off day between games 2 and 3 and between games 6 and 7, it's going to be okay because they get their proper rest. And they may be right about that. But you know what they're wrong about? They're wrong about the fact that the best of what the reliever has, even if he's got it, is going to beat the best of what the offense contributes as they're trying to combat him. And that's a problem because the more a relief pitcher goes into a game and you saw it with Will Harris, Will Harris with all due respect to him and the 11 scoreless innings that he threw this his past postseason, he, he did well. But he got to a point where he was overused, not because he couldn't pitch his best, but there's a difference with the, with an overuse of pitching too much, and an overuse of the other team getting a better look at you. And that's what cost the Houston Astros the World Series this year. And they deserve to lose because of that. The same reason the Los Angeles Dodgers deserved to lose last year and the year before, and even this year in the postseason. The same reason that the New York Yankees deserve to lose in the ALCS against the Houston Astros this year. Because they all did the same thing. They all thought it was a great idea to assemble these great bullpens. Now listen, It's important to have good relievers. I'd rather have the relievers that the New York Yankees have, the relievers that the Los Angeles Dodgers have. I'd rather have those guys than the relievers that the Washington Nationals had. But you know what separated the Nationals from those other teams? The understanding that their bullpen was their weakness and what they were able to get out of their top starters, which they invested the money in. The 500-so-million dollars that Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin were making, they made sure that those guys were going to be the ones that were going to determine how far the Washington Nationals go in the postseason. And they did that. Not just by starting games, but in some cases finishing them, and in other cases coming up in big spots when big outs were needed. Who would you rather see if you're in Washington Nationals' bullpen? Fernando Rodney or Steven Strasburg? Would you rather see Tanner Rainey or would you rather see Patrick Corbin? There's a reason that these pitchers are making the big money that they're making. And we can talk about the value of a starter not being what it was years ago, and I get it. You know, you're going to pay Garrett Cole $300 million to essentially pitch six or seven innings every fifth day. It's not like you're signing Tom Seaver or Bob Gibson that are going to give you nine. But because of that, The whole understanding of baseball and the way the game's being played, it's assumed that starters are not important. And if you stack up with these great relievers that you have in your bullpen, you're going to have the ultimate chance of winning the World Series. Well, the only question I have to you, if you really believe that, is who's won the World Series with the big bullpen? Who has stacked those great arms in the back of their bullpen, one after another, and won themselves a freaking World Series championship? Certainly ain't anybody recently. Certainly ain't any of the last four World Series champions. And you want to go back to the Kansas City Royals of 2015? Okay, I'll give you that. But even that was done in moderation. Ned Yost and Dave Island were expecting a certain amount out of their starting pitchers to get them to their bullpets. And yes, when he got to the likes of Wade Davis in the ninth inning and Luke Hoschever and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Herrera, Kelvin Herrera. you had a good chance to win. But the Royals were smart enough to know that you couldn't run those same guys out there game after game after game. The decision-making hierarchy of the Dodgers doesn't understand that. Brian Cashman, who makes the decision on who pitches in the Yankees' bullpen, doesn't understand that. And it's a shame to say that the Houston Astros, a team that got it in 2017, doesn't have it anymore. Jeff now and his staff have bought into this philosophy that you stack relievers upon relievers upon relievers, exposing them more every single time they go out there. And you basically took a pitcher and Will Harris, who had a chance to potentially be the World Series MVP, and make him look like a bum. Not because he wasn't ready to pitch. Not because his stuff wasn't as good. But because of his opponent, the Washington Nationals, got a better look at him the fourth time they saw him in a series. And they got a better look at him the fifth time they saw him in a series. We could talk about all these analytics nerds and these algorithms and these things that get printed up in a computer with the touch of a button, that tell baseball teams how to run an organization and, and dictate which players should play and which shouldn't play. Why? Why is it that a team cannot understand that the more an opponent sees the same relief pitcher in a series, the advantage goes to the freaking hitter? The offensive team gets the advantage. Every single time you run the same relief pitcher out there, game after game after game. No algorithm's going to tell you that. Is that why baseball's blind to it? Is that why the Houston Astros couldn't realize or or, are baffled that Will Harris couldn't get the job done in Game 6 and Game 7 of the World Series? It's because the Nationals got a better look at him. Factor that into your stupid algorithms. We can talk about how you know, the analytics are running a game of baseball, and they are, but they're, they're determining who's going to win and who's going to lose. Because the teams that decide that they're going to go past it, and I'm still not in the belief that a manager is making any decisions on the field, but what helped the Washington Nationals win the World Series is Mike Rizzo and his staff determining that they were not going to live or die on the relief pitchers that were coming out of that Nationals bullpen. And they probably did it more because of necessity than anything else. But they still did it. They didn't hesitate in the wild card game to use Steven Strasburg in relief. They used Patrick Corbin. was it, five times over the course of the postseason? One time he pitched two-thirds of an inning and gave up six runs. So it didn't always work. But he stuck to it. And Patrick Corbin threw scoreless relief in his other four relief appearances. Max Scherzer, game two. NLDS goes out there and throws a scoreless eighth inning. And then you look at the Boston Red Sox of 2018. How did they win the World Series? They used their four-man starting rotation, Chris Sale, David Price, Rick Porcello, Nathan Eovaldi, a total of eight times in a postseason. In high-leverage situations, Chris Sale got the last out. It was no coincidence that the Red Sox kept the Astros off guard in the World Series because of the different looks that they were giving them. And it almost seems like it's like bucking the system, but it really isn't. You're taking pitchers that, in a lot of cases, are more talented with the ability to go deeper into games if they were starting and let them max it out for an inning or two. But no, bullpenning is the way to go. I gotta hear that anymore. It's, it's embarrassing. You know, the Yankees should look at themselves right now and say, You know what? This whole system, this whole analytics thing that we've said that's determined that we can stockpile this large group of relief pitchers and have a chance to win a lot of games, it's only going to take you so far. Now, you need to bring a starter in that can pitch nine innings. You're not going to be able to get that guy. So it's understandable why while some teams may say, hey, I'm going to go out there and spend the money that I need to spend to get Garrett Cole. And if Steven Strasburg... Ops out of his contract, which he probably will, to spend the money needed to get themselves a Steven Strasburg. You understand that if you're going to win a World Series championship, you need a little more than just that. You do need some good relievers. You also need some other good starters in your staff. Odds are you need to have three or four really good starters that you could use in certain relief situations in the postseason. And this isn't a new idea. Like I said, the Red Sox just did it last year. The Astros, the team that lost the World Series this year, did it two years ago. There's guys named McCullers and Morton. There were second starters in a game that went out there and threw shutout baseball to help clinch series for the Houston Astros. But it all falls by the wayside because of the emphasis and the obsession that exists with bullpenning. And listen, I think there's good things to it. I think the Tampa Bay Rays do a good enough job playing the matchups. But they understand that it's not going to work every time. And you can also throw in the fact that the more different pitchers that you're using in a game means that one pitcher can screw up a whole game for you. If one out of eight pitchers doesn't have it, then the game's probably over. You're going to lose. If one out of two or one out of three pitchers doesn't have it, then at least you're playing better odds. But I'm curious to see what the New York Yankees think if they've studied what's happened in the last three World Series. Because first of all, the Yankees haven't been there. So they've they've watched from afar other teams compete for a World Series championship, the American League, the Astros, the Red Sox, the Astros again. And you watch what's worked the last three seasons for Houston, for Boston, and for Washington. It's not the best bullpen. In fact, you could make a case that all three of those bullpens over the last couple of years, that won World Series championships, left left a little to be desired. Same thing with the Cubs in 2016. They weren't winning games because Eroldis Chapman was shutting it down. He was giving up three-run home runs to Rajay Davis in Game 7. You know why? Because he was overused. The Cleveland Indians did a great job in 2016 getting through the playoffs with Andrew Miller and Brian Shaw and Cody Allen pitching multiple innings, piggybacking off each other. But you know what? The Cubs got used to those guys because they saw them every freaking day. Terry Francona, great baseball manager. For some reason, didn't see that. Guys that are running the Dodgers. Any Astros, any Yankees, for whatever reason, aren't seeing the clear fact, which is as clear as night and day, the fact that in a long series, in a seven-game series, in Major League Baseball, in a postseason, every single time you go to the same reliever against the same opponent, I don't care if you get a day of rest because there's an off day in between, The advantage is going to go to the hitter. And I have to speak like this because it's amazing that a sport that I know and love and support doesn't understand this freaking concept. But no, the the numbers guys or the, the algorithm says go to this reliever because the matchup says it. Well, the matchup doesn't dictate the fact that the offense is getting the same look at the same freaking pitcher. But okay. Keep telling me how smart these computer algorithms are. Will Harris, well, he's throwing 11 scoreless innings. That means he's going to throw up a zero every single time he goes out there. Doesn't factor in the Washington Nationals batters that get a better look at him every single time he appears in a postseason game. Not only do they have the first-hand knowledge of seeing him, but they have all the video of every one of his pitches that he's thrown, every at-bat that every team that has faced him so far in the postseason, and they know exactly what to look for. You don't think at a certain point a batter is going to jump a pitch off of a pitcher that they've seen a couple times. Well, I know he throws a fastball, and he throws a curveball, and you know what? 30% of the time, he's going to throw me a changeup. And you know what? If I sit back in a changeup, maybe I'll get a better look at the pitch. Or, hey, his fastballs, they're usually high and inside. How about if I jump a fastball? But now, hey, these, these relievers are so great. And we don't even factor in the fact that relievers generally are failed starters. And a lot of them are getting a second life to their Major League Baseball careers because they wanted to be starters and were good starters but couldn't get the job done. Mariano Rivera, the greatest reliever in Major League Baseball history, was a failed starter. And he actually had to earn his job as the closer because he was a a guy pitching in relief for the Yankees in 1996. John Wetland was their closer. And if it wasn't for the great job that Rivera did as a middle reliever, he may never have been a closer. And he would have never been Mariano Rivera. But the age-old question is going to continue to be, who do you want? Three great relievers? Or that one big starter? And the answer is, you want that one big starter. Now, a lot of teams aren't going to get it. A lot of teams are going to do stupid things this offseason and not invest themselves at all with Garrett Cole and not invest themselves at all with Steven Schausberg. But it's just amazing that every reliever that you consistently rely on they can't go out there and pitch seven games of a World Series. Seven games of a League Championship Series. You need length from your starters, but you also need to change it up a little bit. And not be like the New York Yankees and have your pitching line set every freaking game. Starting pitcher, and after that's going to be Chad Green. After that's going to be Tommy Canley. After that's going to be Adam Adovino. Then we're going to go to Zach Britton. And then we're going to go to this Chapman. How did that work for the Yankees? Well, a couple games have worked pretty well. But guess what? The Astros got used to seeing the same pitchers every freaking game. And the Yankees lost. Same way the Dodgers lost in the NLDS and the World Series the last two years. The same reason that the Astros lost the World Series this year. So, uh, Cap Madano joins the program. A couple comments. He's talking about, let's do away with the relievers. Uh, Papelbon was a failed starter. And sorry, but you can win without a bullpen. And he can. And it's basically the point that I've made. Now, relievers are important, but it's overemphasized right now. And you're watching. You're actually seeing it right before your eyes, what isn't working. And it's not stockpiling relievers upon relievers upon relievers. Even if you get the best matchups, even if you're running the best algorithms through your analytics staff that's telling you to go with this pitcher over this pitcher, even if you are changing it up a little bit, you need length from your starters. And you know what? If you watch the last three World Series champions, the 2017 Houston Astros, the 2018 Boston Red Sox, and the 2019 Washington Nationals, they got a little extra from their starters, not just on the games that they pitched, but the days they were available to pitch and relief. I even think of the 2015 NLDS, Mets against the Dodgers. One of the biggest innings of that series was the seventh inning of game five. It was Granke against DeGrom. DeGrom spent after six innings. And the Mets went to Noah Syndergaard. And that was probably one of the biggest innings of that entire postseason for the New York Mets. And you give them credit for seeing that. The same thing that the last three World Series champions have seen it. You need more from your starters. As much as you ever did before. You may not get be getting complete games from them. But the difference now is in addition to as far as you can get in the game, if you can get in the 6th, get in the 7th inning, you also need them to be available on their throw days. You also need to, them to maybe make up those other couple innings that you weren't, are no longer expecting out of them when they start to come in relief. Last thing about Game six, 7 of the World Series, Washington Nationals won it for a number of different reasons. It should have been Granky to Cole, just like it was Scherzer to Corbin. That's how the Astros lost it. And for whatever reason, they didn't think any time was good enough to bring Garrett Cole in the game. Let's take a look at Will Harris for the fifth time in the series. Let's take a look at Joe Smith for the fourth time in the series. When he hasn't even pitched well. Ryan Presley has had a horrible postseason, but let's run him out there for the fourth time. But Garrett Cole, guy's probably going to win the Cy Young. Guy, it's about to make three hundred million. Can't use him in Game Seven of the World Series. Why? Because the algorithms didn't say so. And please don't humor me with your stupid blame AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch had no friggin' control over this game. He did what he was told. He was told to go to Will Harris in that spot. He was told exactly when to take Zach Greinke out of the game. The manager doesn't run the team in a game from the bench anymore. It's the eye in the sky. It's the front office. It's the analytics staff. It's the data that's dictating what gets done in each spot. And the Astros got too cute with their own data. And that for that reason... They are not the World Series champions of 2019, and they may have, from a talent perspective, had a better team. But you know what? They outsmarted themselves, and because of that, they deserve to lose. This copyright and broadcast is authorized through internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPaley.com. And John P.L.A. LC is prohibited. Any commercial that uses the program, such as by charging and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, you know, you've heard me a couple times talk about the value of a Major League Baseball manager in a game in 2019. And we know pretty clearly the manager has no value. It absolutely doesn't. A manager in Major League Baseball right now is probably, I'm not going to say it's useless, Because he does have a couple things that are very important. He's there to make sure that you got a good pulse in the clubhouse. It's very important that he does relate to his players. And the players come to work motivated. And they love to play for the manager. And he is the guidance counselor. He wants to make sure that when they're having a bad day, they have a better day emotionally and mentally. And his job is to dictate or is to run the game plan that's handed to him. Hey, this is... What you do over the course of the game, it's pretty much written out for you. You implement the game plan. That's a major league manager in 2019. And honestly, I'm not going to call anybody names that doesn't understand this, but I think there has to be some better education out there to make sure that at least people that are associated with baseball, that talk baseball, that love the sport, even down to the fans, understand that this is the way that managers are being used right now. You heard me talk about the way relievers are being you know, employed and deployed throughout a game. And it's pretty standard throughout baseball. Good reliever on top of good reliever on top of good reliever. Yes, it gets you through the regular season. It could win you 100 plus games and a division title. But it guarantees you nothing in the postseason, especially when you become so reliant on the same relief pitchers. And they're human beings. They're not made. And you ask Zach Britton. Zach Britton made a great comment after the Yankees lost in Game 6 of the ALCS. He said, listen, we're relievers for a reason. The starters are supposed to go longer in a game for a reason. This backwards mentality, just because you've seen a couple instances where it works, doesn't mean that it's always going to work. And the more that you rely on the same group of relievers for one game, for two games, for three games, for four games, and even if, especially when it gets to five, six, and seven games over the course of nine days, you see what happens. And it's not a coincidence that those same relievers that got you to the promised land are the ones that end up disappointing you and becoming the bums of the series. So manager, and this is this is becoming, I guess, my judge when I'm looking out for people to see what is it that kind of grinds my gears? What is it that gets me to a point where I kind of start laughing and maybe questioning the knowledge that somebody has when it comes to the great sport of baseball that I know and love? And, and I guess my go-to line now is going to be, well... A manager could win you an extra five or lose you an extra five games. With all due respect to anybody that believes that, you are so full of shit, it's unbelievable. It's one of the most ridiculous comments you can make as you've watched the game evolve over the last five years last five years have seen the power of the manager being taken away and stripped away from them. They've basically been castrated right before our eyes. They're a bull without his balls. And they're sitting behind the dugout, smiling. They get a series of data, and their job is to freaking implement it. And you think a manager, wow, well, they could... Pick a different reliever. Uh, They could uh, change the lineup up. Now, managers in Major League Baseball have very little to do with the bullpen, and they make believe they do. You have a little discussion back and forth with the pitching coach, but you can't tell me that Aaron Boone runs his bullpen. He's got a bullpen lineup that's handed to him every night, and had one through the postseason. It was starting pitcher to Green to Canley to Ottavino, to Britton to Chapman. That's the way you employ your pitchers. If that wasn't true, then how come he didn't go? How come he didn't go with any other order than that order in just about every game that was big for the Yankees? Sure, he stayed away from the guys in blowouts. He used guys like Luis Sessa. You know, it's CC in certain spots. But those were all in games that the Yankees didn't have to win. The games the Yankees had to win, it was the starting pitcher to Green, to Canley, to Adavino, to Britton, to Chapman. And that's the way he was instructed to run that bullpen. It wasn't Aaron Boone's call. But it's amazing how many people in our beloved baseball community don't get that. New York Mets. We're waiting to see who the next you know, figurehead or spokesperson or basically scapegoat that's going to be out there and be behind the bench for the Mets next season. Personally, as a fan, I don't care who their manager is. I want them to have as good of a team as possible. I want Brody Van Wagenen to have a better offseason than he had last offseason. I want the best players to mingle together. And have the best chance to win. I don't give a darn who the manager is. Because that manager is only going to be as good as the players that are on the field. That manager is only going to be as good as the general manager in the front office, as they are in assembling the team. The players on the field are going to determine whether a team's good or bad, not the friggin' manager. An average manager in Major League Baseball right now can win you or lose you an extra zero games. Zero! Do you hear me? Zero! A great manager in baseball now wins you an extra zero games. A lousy manager in baseball right now loses you an extra zero games. Zero! Z-E-R-O. You get it? This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know of no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces the taste the smoothness and drinkability you will find in no beer at any cost. Sorry for being a little fired up today, but in all honesty, I mean, it is kind of disgusting. The way that we've seen the game change right before our eyes, but the general public is still being led as if they're a group of puppets. They're going to stick to whatever narrative they're told. And it's like, if you let it go, let go the fact that the manager of Major League Baseball is not as powerful as you believe. It's almost like you're 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 voluntarily taking away your own credibility, and I think that's insane to think that way. We've watched the game evolve. We understand that a starter doesn't go any more than seven innings traditionally. Complete games are something of the past. You've watched that, you know, haven't just eight or nine regular players running those same guys out there all the time. For the exception of a few circumstances may not be the best way to go. You want to have some sort of platoon advantage that you're using, whether it's offensive defensive, whether it's righty lefty, whether it's offense defense. You see it even like a Houston Astros team runs basically the same lineup out there, have strategic plans for what they want to do on defense. They studied that the two catchers they got, you know, Carinos and Maldonado, there's certain better matchups for one for the other. Same thing with Suzuki and Gomes with the Nationals. So we're, we're as fans and people that cover and follow the game, we've accepted this. But we are really grasping and cla- clapping, uh, you know kind of gripping onto the fact that the role of the manager in major League Baseball is not changing. We just don't want to agree with that. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to absorb what's going on. It's almost like part of our childhood maybe is being taken away from us. The days of Earl Weaver and Billy Martin and Lou Piniella screaming and yelling at umpires when we could really judge a manager based off of their performance. Because we knew that if a team is good, it was because of what the manager did over the course of the game, the way the manager ran his team, the way that the manager optimized his lineup and used his bullpens and stuck with his starters and made a decision of when to go to relievers. There was a point where all of that was true. Just right now it isn't. And I think the quicker that more of us kind of come on board... And it's almost like a cult, really. Like there's a cult anti-following of the role of a major league manager getting, you know, basically castrated before our eyes. And I just don't think it's I just don't think it's right. But most importantly, it's not accurate. And I think we want to be accurate in just about all the information that we're portraying and we're sending out there to others. You know, we don't want to be throwing false information out there. And, and it's funny, some of the combatants, the people that come against me when they try to make a case that a manager in baseball has so much of a bigger role than it does, they call it a conspiracy theory. Yeah, analytics is a conspiracy theory? It's all we hear about is analytics. Maybe you've heard the word analytics and you don't understand what it means. Maybe you grab yourself a dictionary, look it up. Or maybe read a couple books that actually describe how analytics are applied in baseball today. And you'll you'll find that analytics have come at the expense of the major league manager. We're talking about robot umpires in baseball, how the robot umpires will essentially take over for the actual human umpires. Analytics have basically, are basically the computer's version of managing a baseball game. It's a combination of a video game and a manager who used to dictate what's going on. So if you can acknowledge that there's analytics in a game, you sure better be able to acknowledge that the role of a major league baseball manager in a game that's play is played today has almost, almost irrelevant. He's there to make sure that he's got a pulse at the clubhouse. And like I said, if a manager doesn't have a pulse at the clubhouse and the players aren't showing up every day, giving their best, and trying then that's grounds for a manager to be terminated. And you need to implement the game plan from above. So if the manager's not listening, if he's not being subordinate to his superiors, which maybe, maybe that was the case, maybe Mickey Calloway did his own thing, maybe he didn't listen to Brody Van and I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to know that. I think when Mickey Callaway writes his book, and it's going to be called I Didn't Do It, you're gonna you're gonna start to real you're gonna start to get a better feeling of Mickey Callaway as a person and the fact that he did his job the best way he could and he had his hands tied. Most of the decisions, most of the criticism of the guy, really for the exception of screwing up the posting of the lineup, which was probably because he didn't know what the lineup was in the first place. He was given a lineup, but he probably just wrote it down wrong. It wasn't his idea. Think about it. A manager is given a lineup, and his job is to post it, so he's rewriting it. He's trying to basically copy off of a piece of paper. It's not his own idea. Just a reminder that Castrol provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. Castrol engineered for today's smaller car. So I did say I was going to talk a little Jimmy G today, And obviously, you know, it's a good time to talk about that when the quarterback has a a nice performance, um, leads his team to a close win. Um, Maybe a lot of people thought it would be closer than anticipated against the Arizona Cardinals, but I think the Arizona Cardinals are a little better team than we give them credit for, certainly better than they were last season. And I would have taken the points with this game, and I've stayed away from Thursday games really since the first couple weeks of the season. But I would have taken the points, and I would have won. Yeah, you know, What am I sitting at? Five games over 500, six games over 500. in my picks this year? Not bad. So I was thinking, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo led his team, the 49ers, to an 8-0, 8-0 record to start this season. Remember, he was traded from the New England Patriots to the San Francisco 49ers at the end of the 2017 season. A bad 49er team at the time, a team that was one and ten. All of a sudden, inserts Garoppolo as their quarterback, they win their last five games. Last year, they got off to a one and two start. Third game is the game that Garoppolo gets hurt. And then they go three and ten the rest of the way to finish five and ten. So you got back to back six and ten seasons. But Garoppolo, winning six of those ten games, leads his team to an 8-0 and record this year. His overall record as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers is 14-2. and You add in the two games he started as a quarterback in the New England Patriots, and Jimmy Garoppolo is 16-2 and as a starter in the National Football League. Now, does, he, does it mean he's going to maintain that? I think one of the things that we should think of, and we talking, we spent a lot of time talking about managers in Major League Baseball, the role that they have or don't have, a quarterback still has a very big role in how good a team is and how bad a team is. Now, we'll see Garoppolo hopefully healthy enough to get to the playoffs and see how far he can take the 49ers. I mean, you've seen other very good quarterbacks do that. Tom Brady getting to, you know, how many Super Bowls now? Nine? He's been to more Super Bowls than any other team in NFL history. Patriots have won six of them. They've lost three. You know, you think of guys like Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, even Eli Manning, the multiple Super Bowls that he's won. We, we tend to judge in football, hey, your team is only as good as the quarterback. And I really think that's true. You know, I, I'd like to debunk that theory. I'd like to to talk about ways that maybe it's not true. 49ers, you can make a case that they're just as good this season because of their defense than they are with Jimmy G as their quarterback. And you can talk about game managers as they apply to the National Football League. And there's been good game managers that have gone out there and led the team to promised land in the postseason have won big playoff games, and in some cases have won Super Bowls. You know, Peyton Manning, last year with the Denver Broncos, great defense, a defense that carried them to that Super Bowl. What did Peyton Manning do? He managed the game. He was really no no better than an Alex Smith that year. He was no bigger than that regular journeyman quarterback that you're just asking to lead the team downfield, run the ball a little bit, throw the ball a little bit, you don't have to win the game yourself; just don't lose it. So we've seen that work in certain cases, but for the most part, teams that are winning the Super Bowls they're doing it because of a big quarterback. You now, Nick Foles came out big in the last couple games uh, of the you know the season a couple years ago, championship game, Super Bowl. Sure, Doug Peterson saved some of his best play calling for the you know the latter part of those games. But Nick Foles still had to execute those plays. I'm interested to see. Because I think of a guy that started out really good or really well as a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And I know the mere mention of his name is going to draw reviews, whether they negative or positive. Because it's such a polarizing figure. A person that really has transcended the sport. Because you think of, you mention somebody's name and you get as much of a reaction You don't see that happen with too much. That is transcending in itself. So I'm not going to get too far off task. But Colin Kaepernick in his first 23 games as the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers led his team to a 17-6 record. His record in the last 24 games that he was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers was 11-23. In fact, you're looking at a quarterback that when it was all said and done had a losing record. behind center for the San Francisco 49ers. But when Kaepernick was winning 17 of his first 23 games, and certainly before he ever he ever spoke or led any sort of protest, nobody really knew who he was. They just knew that he was putting up numbers on the field. But you wonder what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. And I watch it. I'm following it. And you're watching 14 games won, two games lost. A 49ers team that I wasn't looking for or looking at as a perennial or potential Super Bowl contending team or winning the NFC, you got to say they're in a good spot now, though. Yeah, they seem to, every time they have a little bit of a challenge, they seem to come ahead. And like I said, their defense is good. I think they're well coached. I think they have a well-rounded team. Now, Emmanuel Sanders was a great acquisition. He catches, what, seven balls for a buck 13 yesterday. Touchdown. Nice acquisition. But I wonder is Jimmy G gonna be for real? Cause you know that whatever, sixteen out of eighteen, basically eight out of nine games, and eight eighty eight point eight 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 eight, etc., winning percentage isn't gonna last forever. A little bit of a recap of the show today. We talked about bullpens and the overemphasis on relievers and how it's worked out for the teams in baseball. How did it work for the Astros in the 2019 World Series? You tell me. How did it work for the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers this year in the postseason? You tell me. How did it work in the 2018 and 2017 World Series for the Los Angeles Dodgers? You tell me. Teams that have won the World Series the last three years, the Astros of 2017, the Red Sox of 2018, and the Nationals in 2019, put more emphasis on their starters. In some cases, pushed their starters longer into games than they normally would. But in days that they didn't, they made sure that they had options with their other starters, used them on throw days, and got a lot for them in the postseason. So you talk about An analytics guy that's going to put this algorithm in a computer and tell you that your best philosophy is to go to their pitcher and use these four relievers because they're your best relievers. And then do that in game two. And then do that in game three. And then do that in game four, game five, game six, and game seven. And guess what? Every single time you go to each one of these individual relievers, the advantage goes to the hitters. That's all I have to say about that. A manager in Major League Baseball, and I'm going to keep fighting this point until the day I'm in the grave. A great manager wins you an extra zero games in a game of 2019. A horrible manager, in your eyes, loses you an extra zero games because they don't have the control that they had in the past. They're figureheads. They're spokesperson. They're guidance counselors. Their job is to take a game plan that's handed to them and implement it. And if they're not implementing that game plan to the T the way it's printed out with the computer algorithms on the spreadsheet that's right in front of them, they're not doing their job. They won't last for long. They will get fired for insubordination. Spoke a little bit about Jimmy G. 16-2 as a starter uh, as quarterback in a National Football League. We'll be back with you next week. We'll do NFL picks uh, the same way we did a couple weeks ago. I'll share them through my past ball show. Facebook page, not really, not much to talk about. Doing pretty well, though. We'll be back with you next week. This is the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPielli.com by two ways, one Passion food truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Louis' Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.